friends that she's trying to minister to, and so just keep those in prayer. Uh, Marissa and, jo and Andrew and Ashley and Shane and the kids, and so just keep them in prayer as they are trying to go forward for the Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter number 9. It's in the New Testament. Mark chapter number 9. I will ask you to stand as you find your place out of respect for reading the Word of God if you're able to. Uh, Mark chapter number 9. You know, the Lord took the disciples, three of them up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he showed them some great things. And I want you to kind of get the picture. They're coming off the mountain, and they've had this mountaintop experience with Jesus, and as they're coming down into the valley, they hear some arguing. They hear some problems that are going on. How do you serve God down in the valley? That's kind of the topic. I was going to change it to, how do you serve God at Blackstone Valley? But sometimes it's the same thing. But no, it's, it's a little bit different. Beginning, we're going to pick it up in verse number 14. The Bible says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye? with them. And one of the multitude, verse number 17, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy, uh, uh, no, and he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. I want you to remember that phrase. They could not. He answered, or answereth that him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it ago? since this came unto him, and he said of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Father, we need your touch today. We need you to weed out anything that would distract us, that would hinder us from hearing this message today. Father, thank you that you're in the healing business. Thank you that you touch lives. Thank you for Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. You know, when we have that mountaintop experience with Peter, James, and John, or like Peter, James, and John, as they're coming off the mountain with Jesus, they were spending time there. They didn't understand the impact that Jesus' life would have on the world. He would tell them, I have to be crucified. I have to die. They didn't even understand this. But when you have one of these mountaintop experiences, getting close to Jesus, no, the devil knows when you're close to Jesus. The devil will show up as you're coming off the mountain into the valley. 
Here they're coming off the mountain and there's an argument going on with the scribes. Those people that were in charge of properly interpreting or not interpreting but copying God's word verbatim, they were very astute in what they did. They were very, very uh, intense in what they did. The scribes. And they were kind of mocking the disciples, the other nine disciples that were left behind. And they, the Lord told them, heal the sick and take care, we'll be back. And so now here they're coming off the mountain and the disciples are powerless, it seems, over this one demonic oppressed person. And so it seems like that's what the devil does. He kind of makes fun and tries to poke fun and try to poke holes in your faith. Not in your face. I didn't misspeak. In your faith. Is your faith full of holes? Is your faith in something that is tangible? Or is it in the Son of God? Is it in Jesus himself? And so now, Jesus, on the outside, he was transfigured. He became on the outside what he was on the inside. He was something that nothing they hadn't ever seen before. The glory shown of Jesus, of God himself, of his deity. And so, remember on the, on the mountain, the disciples said, we want to build three altars. We want to build three tabernacles. One for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses, or, or one for uh, the other one that was there. We want to build these three tabernacles. And then there was a voice from heaven that says, This is my son, hear ye him. Okay, we'll pay attention. And um, they must have been beside themselves as they're coming off this experience. It was a wonderful revival that had taken place in their lives, a physical representation of God the Father speaking to them, and God the Son was transfigured before their eyes. This is a wonderful thing. I used to have a preacher that said when I worked on staff, if you have a good day on Sunday, duck, because the devil's going to attack. And that's most often true, because the devil attacks when things are going good. The devil leaves his own alone. He doesn't bother the unsaved. He doesn't bother the wayward ones. He doesn't bother those that are out of God's will. But he does bother those that are close to the Lord. Remember we've been saying, get close to the Lord, stay close to the Lord. Stand fast, stay faithful, be close to Jesus Christ. And here, the closest ones to him are coming off this mountaintop experience, down into the valley, and there's trouble greeting them. There's problems with the religious leaders and the other nine disciples. No doubt in my mind that these guys were coming down full of joy. They were excited about being in the presence of God himself. Verses 14 and 15, when, they came, when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. Jesus, they're arguing with your disciples. When they came down off the mountain, there's an argument. Something going on. You see, sometimes it's necessary to stay behind in the valley. Not everybody can have that mountaintop experience with the Lord. Not everybody's at the same spiritual plane or the same level. And sometimes the devil's waiting with a cold bucket of water to throw on that fiery exuberance that the Lord has for you. That's what happened. There's someone that says, Hey, guess what's going on with your disciples, Jesus? Guess what? Jesus already knew because he was the beginning from the end. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's nothing that surprises God. And he knows what was going on. And so they, this one little demon, they couldn't cast him out. Just this one little problem demon. They couldn't do anything with him. 
They tried with all their power and they tried with all of Jesus' power and all of God's power and all their prayers and everything, and they couldn't do it. And it's like, what's wrong with us? Are you guys living in sin? What's going on? I'm sure they questioned each other and they looked at each other and they couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, here comes Jesus and the other, the other three. And the crowd always judges according to what they see and the behavior of the disciples. And so the crowd judged Jesus by the disciples' inability to cast out the demon. So when the people saw Jesus, the text tells us that they were amazed. And I believe they were amazed because of the sudden appearance of Jesus. Remember in different places in Scripture, he was gone and then he was there. He just traveled and, through time and space and he was just gone out of their sight and he, just, he was at a new location. Well, he was suddenly in their presence and they were amazed. Where did you come from? We didn't see you. It seems like a lot of times people even come to church and they miss Jesus. I mean, we expect to meet him every Sunday, Wednesday night, Sunday night. But I think he never leaves us nor forsakes us. At least that's what my Bible tells me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's good to know. Because there are times where we do feel forsaken. Lord, where are you in this trouble and this trial and this difficulty down when we're down here at Blackstone Valley? Down in the valley. And the disciples were like, Lord, we've done everything we can. We can't, we can't do anything with this. And so that very moment, the disciples, it seemed like they needed him most. He wasn't there. But then all of a sudden he shows up. Uh, you know, it seems like when he's not expected, he shows up. Do you ever realize that? Even in your life. Sometimes he knows what we have need of. No, no, all the time. I don't want to say sometimes. Uh, he knows what we have need of before we even open our mouth, right? And sometimes we don't even realize he shows up. He's always there. He never leaves us if we're his child. Yet when Jesus arrives on the scene, he asks for an expl explanation in verse number 16. Notice, he says, and he asked the scribes, what question ye with them. Now, I believe Jesus already knew ahead of time before he showed up what they were asking. I believe he knew because there were times where he says, what were you reasoning in your hearts? He asked these provoking thought, provoking questions. He's trying to get to the root of the matter. He knows that they have unbelief in their lives. They don't believe in him. But he says, what are you questioning my disciples for? What, what were you questioning them? Verse 17, now, I don't know if it was one of the scribes, but it doesn't say, but it says one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. Now, he's addressing the scribes, the teachers, the religious leaders. He's addressing them. Somebody from the crowd comes up and said, I've tried to get your disciples to help heal my son. In so many words, verse number 18, And wheresoever it taketh him, it teareth him, and foameth, he gnasheth, uh, with his teeth, and he pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and they, that they should cast him out, and they could not. Lord, I came to them for hope. I came to them for help. I came and they could not. How often do people in society look to Christians for help and they could not? How often people go through trials in their life and they look for some answers and they could not because whatever reason. The problem with this young boy or this young man was not neurological. It was demonic. I believe in demon possession. I believe in demon oppression. I believe that the devil can try to disrupt God's unity in any way he can. He's the prince and power of the air, and he will distract. He will do everything in his power to prevent somebody from accepting Jesus. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, God is over everything. Nothing surprises our God. We get surprised, don't we? 
I told uh, the Wednesday night crowd, I came around the corner for Wednesday night church. I had worked that afternoon and uh, was coming to church to get ready for Wednesday night service. Came around the corner on Farm Street and I was surprised by a car that was going across two lanes of traffic. Instead of going the right direction, uh, somebody had hit a tree and their car was sitting in the middle of the road. I said, well, Okay, I put it in park, put my flashes on, got my magic wand out. I got a di traffic directing wand that I use. And I didn't find out. I looked and saw they weren't really, they weren't hurt. They were standing on the side of their car. And so coming around that corner, if I hadn't stopped, it, it would be right into their car. And so I waited and I started directing traffic. Always wanted to do that. In the distance, I could see coming down near the roast house, there was a couple of police officers. They were flying down the road on Farm Street. And so I said, okay, there's my rescue. They're coming. And so uh, within a few minutes, they assessed the problem. And they said, okay, thank you, sir. We got it under control. And, I, and they drove over away from me. And I says, there's cars coming this way. Don't you want to stop the cars? I didn't tell them that. But I just said, okay, I got in my car. And I continued driving on. And the people were just stunned and just as I'm driving by. But it was just a surprise as you come up on something that you weren't expecting and it just surprises you. And that's how I kind of picture Jesus. He's, he didn't, he's not surprised, but the people are surprised that Jesus is there. They're shocked. And uh, the disciples, they are kind of befuddled. They don't, don't know what to make of everything going on. You know, I mentioned the problem isn't neurological, it's demonic. And most people attribute things to uh, that they can't control or they can't understand to it's the dark force. It's like Star Wars. But it's almost an inanimate, inanimate object of the dark force. There is a dark force. There is the prince and power of the air and his minions. He's trying to deceive. He's trying to disrupt. He's trying to do everything in his power to make Christians trip and fall. He can't have your soul, but if he can make your testimony a blight on God's name, that's what he wants to do. So, this man, by the way, believers have no business dabbling in the devil's stuff with darkness such as consulting horoscopes, I call them horoscopes, fortune tellers, palm readers, tarot cards. Christians have no business playing with the devil's toys. Ouija boards, oh, it's just for fun. No, it's not. It's demonic. I just remind you that King Saul, he executed all the witches, except for one, the witch at Endor. It wasn't in Star Wars either. And he called out the witch at Endor in disguise. And he asked about uh, somebody, Samuel, that had already passed on it to glory. And God allowed Samuel to come back through that witch's encounter with Saul, King Saul. And it scared the witch. <laughs> Don't mess with that stuff. God is greater than all. God is able to take care of your problems. You don't have to go through the devil to ask God's permission to do something. You can go directly to the throne of grace. Fortune tellers, all this stuff is money-making operation. You know, in some way this boy had become a victim of demon possession. The idea that it had taken hold in verse number 18 of this young man, and it cast him into the fire. It cast him into the water. The Bible talks about he pineth away. He just didn't nourish himself. He didn't take care of himself. He probably didn't look very uh, clean. Disheveled hair. His eyes might have been wild looking. There's something unique about him. In fact, this family probably was talked about by everybody else. Oh yeah, the family with the demon-possessed guy. Demon-possessed son. They didn't call it that. The man with the sick son. Throws this boy on the ground, causes all kinds of convulsions in his life, and, and seizes that boy in his body. And I'm sure as you look at this man, 
there's not only emotional scars, which you can't see, but you can see physical scars. Cuts, bruises, things that are unexplainable. Oh, the devil is real, by the way. He's not a figment of somebody's imagination to try to keep us from doing wrong. A little devil pops up over here and a little angel pops up on the other shoulder. It doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit that indwells us guides us to where we need to be. But the devil will try to influence us. He'll try to get us to say, do, behave the wrong way. And we have to submit, yield, give up the right of way to the Lord. Because if we don't, we're vulnerable to the devil's attacks. If we don't stand fast with the armor of God on and equipped to do battle against the devil, then you're going to be prey to the devil's tactics. Oh, he can't read your mind, by the way. I've said this before. But he sure can influence your mind. He knows human nature. We have a propensity if I was to say, now, not all of you like chocolate, but if I say, oh, a Hershey bar is waiting for you in your car today, you'd get up now and leave because you're addicted to chocolate. Well, some of you. And the idea is he doesn't, he knows our reaction because in the Garden of Eden, yea, hath God said, what's the big deal, Eve? There's no... No big deal. You can, you'll be as gods if you eat this fruit. If you just obey me. Get to the New Testament. The, Lord, the devil tries to tell Jesus, just cast yourself off the pinnacle of this temple and the angels will take charge of you. Man shall not live by bread alone, the Lord told him, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, if we don't, if we think we can handle the devil by, ah, I got it under control. No, you don't. You need the Lord to fight your battle. First, it's down in the valley that we discover crowds of hurting people that need help. We come to Blackstone Valley and we find out there are people sometimes that are hurting that need help. As you're coming off that mountaintop experience, that revival with Danny Long, and you're excited about the things of God. I can remember a long time ago, we had a revival meeting at the old building. And it was, uh, it was probably before Jesse was throwing apples in there and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, Jesse. Smashing bananas on the windows. Because I had to clean them. But um, we had a revival. And I remember walking out of that building, Jesse. And I remember going to the neighbor's house, two houses down, next door to Mr. Delicana. And talking to them and excited and saying, you guys need to come to church. And they looked at me and said, why? put out my fire. I said, oh, I don't know why. I was a little discouraged after that. I said, what? I was excited. I, I had all this zeal, but no knowledge. I wanted them to come to church with me, but I don't know why. <laughs> well, they needed Jesus. And sometimes that's what the devil does. He uses discouragement to try to say, why bother? Why bother? It doesn't even make a difference. We're not even making a dent in the, this side of the world. And but we are. Look at your life. You're trusting the Lord with all your heart. You're leaning not to your own understanding. You're following in the principles, precepts, commands, the statutes of God's word. You're trying to do, I know you say, I'm doing the best I can. Let God do it through you and he'll do better than that. You know, when we have that communion with God, I'm not talking about the Lord's Supper, but I'm talking about that fellowship, that special intimate time with God when's the last time you got close to the Lord when's the last time you shed a tear for somebody that was in a desperate situation we read about the father that I, I I'm sure his face was tear stained he at, was at the wits end if you will he was at the last part of the last part of his rope he was holding on barely so he goes to the disciples because the testimony of Jesus and the disciples had already been spread abroad. So now he goes to the disciples, hey, listen, guys, can you do anything here? So as they have done before, they tried to cast him out. 
you know, after you've had the mountaintop experience with God, you, you tend to think that things are going to go smoothly. <laughs> and then you arrive in the valley and literally all of hell breaks loose. It seems like that's the standard pattern. Don't be surprised. I like this. So be ready because whenever God opens the window of heaven to bless you, you can be certain that de the devil will open the doors of hell to blast you. We think, and we pray this way, right? Lord, open the windows of heaven, just pour me out a blessing that I won't be able to receive it. That's what we want. But the devil's going to open the doors of hell to blast you, to try to make it a discouragement to you. And God gives us those experiences on the mountaintop in order to equip us to minister in his name. But often, you know what we find ourselves doing, just like the disciples, doing it in our own strength. No, I know. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Is that what the Bible says? So we try to do things in our own flesh and blood and we try to, in our own power, and, and we forget it's through His power, His strength. We can't do it in our own. And so I, I think the, the disciples were filled as they were coming off the mountain with the afterglow of God. We talked about Moses having the afterglow of God, the afterburner of God. He was sunburned. He was, wore a veil for a while because of the presence of God in his life. And then after a while, the presence of God was gone, but he still kept the veil on to keep up pretenses. Sometimes that's how it is. They were full of divine encouragement. But what they were about to confront was altogether different. Verse number uh, 17, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. In Matthew chapter 17, same story, verse number 14, it says this. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying. Now, why is that significant? Because kneeling down shows reverence, respect, honor. He rushed up to Jesus, knelt down to him, Master, if you can do anything, if you can help my son. How often do we pray for our families like that on our knees? How often are we concerned about the lost on our knees? How often are we concerned about relatives that we, we think there's no hope? And we, we've written them off in our minds. We might not say that. But again, is anybody too far God, uh, gone that God can't help or save? This guy probably, as other people in the Bible, have spent everything that they had to try to fix this young man. Nothing helped. Luke chapter 9, verse 38, Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look on my son, for he is mine only child. Dr. Luke kind of goes into a little bit more detail. It's his only son. Matthew says he kneels down. I think you get the picture. This man was desperate for help. We live in a world that is desperate for Jesus. Do you realize that? We're not here for our own good. I mean, we get encouraged. We get entertained. We sing praises to the Lord, but he's the audience. We're not. It doesn't really matter how we look. It matters what we present to a lost and dying world. Mark Chapter 9, verse 18, Whosoever and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth, and he pineth away. Now, I'm sure the father had scars on his arms. I'm sure the father had even bruises on his body from this demon-possessed young man. Because the devil will cause bruises. Again, the devil will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you thought it would. Sin always does. But I'm sure the evidence was in this man's eyes, probably sunken in from lack of sleep, trying to make sure that his wife was safe and his family was safe in his own house. The boy's agony was demon-induced. 
causing him to scream, foam at the mouth, and to have violent convulsions, which threw him into the fire. Did you know nothing brings the devil more glory than death and dying and glorifying death? We see this over and over again about death and dying and promoting death and dying and self-mutilation in demon possession. The one at the Gadarenes. He was in the tombs. When he had the demons, which was called legion, cast out of him, they went into pigs, right? Swine. And they did the best common sense thing that they could do. They committed swinicide. Hogicide. They went violently down the mountain into the water. 7,000 of them. That's a lot of pigs. A lot of ham. Bacon. Porchettas. Hey, the devil glorifies death. But you know what God does? He glorifies life. I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Secondly, in the valley, you'll find whether you have anything to offer hurting people. See, up on the mountaintop, you really don't have anything to worry about. Jesus is up there. We're having a great time. We're with God Himself, and He's encouraging our hearts, and we're being revived, and now we're down in the valley, and we're going to find out when we're under pressure where the real Christians are. The disciples, in verse number 18, the Bible says this, they could not. It wasn't that they weren't spiritual. It wasn't where they were uh, far away from God. It wasn't that they were living in deep, dark sin. Or they were doing things contrary to His will, His way, and His word. He, he left them there for a purpose, to do His will. And the Bible says they could not. Why not? Why not? This was a test. This was something that God was going to show himself mighty. Again, verse number 18, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not, the man says. Whether you realize it or not, this building sitting on the side of this highway makes a silent promise to everyone that passes by this place where God meets with his people. Now, I know God doesn't dwell in a place made with hands. But he dwelt in the tabernacle in the Old Testament before the temple was built. The pillar of God moved. When the pillar of God moved, so did the people of God. They moved. Pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And when God moved, the people moved. The people says, we don't, we're tired of being ruled by God. We're tired of a theocracy. They didn't use the word, but we're tired. We want a king like everybody else. God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. Good, we're going to have a king. We choose Saul. He's head and shoulders above everybody else. People's choice, don't think it was God's choice. Think David was God's choice. See, if we're patient, God will give us the desires of our heart, what we need, not necessarily what we want, but he gives us what we need. Now here we are, New Testament, problems abound. The disciples are just doing God's will, just doing the work of the Lord. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're healing, they're doing all kinds of things. But this one, he's a problem demon. He's not submitting to us. Mm. And you know, when people come to Blackstone Valley Baptist Church and worship with us, and I've often had this, you know, I, I was told as a kid, Behave yourself. When we go to somebody's house, behave yourself. What's that mean? I don't know what that means, Dad. Behave yourself. If Dad gave me a certain look with his eye, I knew I was in trouble after, during church. Company's coming over, you better behave yourself. Okay. You want to see my pet snake? No, I didn't ever had one, but... 
No, we behaved ourselves. And the same thing is true. When we have visitors come to our church, I said, I hope somebody doesn't misbehave. Because you're my children. And the Lord is trying to instill in us, listen, we need to have a burden for the lost. We need to love on the lost around us. The world's kicking, them, kicking all of us while we're down. Honestly. Do they see people that are being progressively changed by the power of God at work in our lives? Or do they come seeking fellowship and acceptance but leave Blackstone Valley Baptist Church and saying they could not? They could not. And I'm afraid that we write the words and they could not over many churches today. They could not. I've been to a lot of churches, some by the job I have at the other place. I go to a lot, I, in fact, I go more than some of the church members of those churches. And some of the people don't even know each other. Did you know we're part of the family of God? This is a, a family meeting. But we like visitors to come in. We like guests to come in. Not to be entertaining or anything like that, but we want them to know the same Jesus we know. At least I do. The disciples earlier had been successful. But now, after a week of absence, it seemed like they were powerless. You feel powerless in your prayer life? You ever feel like, man, where's God when I need him? And that's kind of what we say. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So when we feel like he's not there, it's like the, the footprints I've mentioned a couple of t weeks ago. The footprints poem is wonderful. And I thought the first time I read that, wow, it did bring tears to my eyes. It was during those times that I carried you. We don't realize how often God carries us. And sometimes I feel like sometimes we're getting pretty heavy. You know, as the kids get older, let me say this, the grandkids. As the grandkids get older, it's a little bit more difficult to carry them around. Carter's, he's light as a feather. But the other ones, they're not so light anymore. <laughs> Kathy had to carry the kids upstairs to take them to bed. <laughs> They're getting a little heavy. Some of the grandkids are gluten-free and some of them are not. The ones that are full of gluten are the heavier ones. You think about how God carries us all the time. He carries us. Do we need it? More often than not. I can do it by myself, God. I don't need your help. Yeah, that's, that's how we live. We may not say that, but that's how we live sometimes. I don't need God. Religion is just a crutch, and it's the best crutch I ever had. It's not a crutch, but it's, if you want to look at it that way. The failure of some other Christian in their life, they sit on the sidelines, many Christians do, and um, they believe that Christ can save and he can help somebody else, but... Don't ask me to get in the game. Song, you, I don't know if you listen to old music or whatever. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. You know, sometimes we, we're content to just sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else do it. Let me tell you, we're part of it. We're involved. We're in the race. We're part of what God's plan is. And if we take a back seat, we're going to be a shelved vessel. Because he uses all of the vessels. And some of them, even the cracked pots, he has a purpose in the cracked pots. He makes it again so they can be used. The answer is all the same for all the disappointments that we face. You ever have a disappointing experience in your life? Or maybe with a church? You've been disappointed with a church. Hopefully not this one. Or some Christian has disappointed you. The song says, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. 
The challenge is to focus on the Savior, not people. People will always let you down. <laughs> I don't know if you found that out yet, being alive almost a little more than half a century. People will let you down. Sometimes unintentionally, but sometimes intentionally. Sometimes people will just let you down. Jesus will never let you down. Amen. Never. Not one time. When Jesus shows up, something's going to happen. Remember the four friends that brought their friend to Jesus? They couldn't get in the house. They ripped the roof apart and they let him down. Hey, wait a minute, guys. That's my roof. When Jesus is in the house, something's going to happen. When Jesus is around, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to be healed of an issue of blood. Somebody's going to be healed from demonic oppression. Somebody's going to get saved. Somebody's going to be raised from the dead. Something's going to happen when Jesus shows up. What do you think we preach these messages every week for? Past 19 years, we've been preaching messages longer than that, but past 19 years, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. I'm reminded... In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Sometimes there's been times where I didn't want to do this, Lord. Lord, they're not getting it. Just like your kids. You told them once and you hope they got it the first time. Right? For those of us who have kids, we had to tell them over and over and over, and there's still sometimes they don't get it. Now listen, it's, it's important that you obey the Lord. It's important that you stand fast. It's important that, you, that you're where you're supposed to be. Disappointing experiences. Third, I see in the valley that you discover it's necessary or what is necessary to help hurting people. Look in verse number 21. The Bible says, and... He asked his father, how long is it uh, ago this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oft times it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. That's what the, the Bible says of the devil. He's a liar, a thief. He is a destroyer. But, the verse goes on, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Remember we had a theme that was moved with compassion? Moved with compassion. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. What causes us to react in an emotional way when it affects our lives? How do we empathize with people that go through struggles in life? Well, Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to be tempted. In all points was tempted like as we are. Yet, the Bible says he was without sin. So, if someone says, well, Jesus doesn't even know what I'm going through. Yes, he does. He had the loss of a friend, Lazarus. I know he raised him back to health and raised him back to life. He knows what it's like to have someone that's sick. He knows what it's like to have someone put to death, John the Baptist. He knows what we go through as his children, yet he's there to comfort us. Why shouldn't we want to comfort someone else? Well, they made their bed. They can lie in it. No, except by the grace of God, there go some of you. And it's by God's grace and mercy that he saved or chose to save you. He was looking for you when you were wandering far away from God. It may have been a circumstance that brought you to Jesus Christ. It may have been an event in your life. It may have been a tragedy in your life. But God was looking for you. And he's still looking for people through us. He's using us to accomplish his will on earth. The man wants help with his problem. Do we have the answer? I believe we do. Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. Not in psychology or psychobabble or not in some president or in some 
political party. It's not, that's not the help that we need. We need Jesus, who was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, who knows what it's like to go through the problems that we face. Verse 22 says, And oft times cast him into the fire. I'm sure he had burn marks. And into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I'm sure it wasn't overnight. It wasn't just for a week. It was for years. Years. This man had this son who had this problem. Don't know why. But I do know that God, in his infinite wisdom, intersects our lives at the point of salvation. And we can do one or two things. We can reject, say nobody can help you. Nobody can help. Sorry, nobody can help you. You're too far gone. Or we can say, here, let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. Jesus, the sweetest name I know. What a friend we have in Jesus. We sing these songs. This man, all of his emotion was tied up into his only son. And it relates how he deals with this affliction for years for his son. One deals with something for a long time, whether it's an illness or an addiction. It's so easy to lose hope, is it not? That anything or anyone can even help. Imagine, if you will, uh, uh, what it would have been like to be in that father's place while others are teaching their son a trade. He's just trying to keep his son alive. Do you realize that this problem affected not only this man and his son, that family unit? It may have been his only son, but he had to have a wife to have a son. And there were probably extended relatives. It affected all of them. In fact, they probably weren't invited to a lot of family functions. The family probably becomes defined by the problem. Oh, yeah, that's the man with the demonic son. They would feel very uncomfortable if he came to the party. They'd think it'd be best to keep their distance. You know, ultimately, problems like this would isolate that family. So, I I want to tell you, it was awful brave of this man to even approach the disciples in his broken condition to help his son who was unmanageable. How often do we brush up against people that need help in society? How often do we talk to people but we never share Christ with them? How often do we Show the love of Christ to people that need it most. Oh, it's one thing to show the love of Christ to people that love us and who are part of our group and part of our family. But when we go beyond the walls of our family, now that's a little different. You know why? They're a little different. They're a little strange. Yeah, Jesus loves strange people. He hung out with some of the strangest disciples that the world's ever seen. And the Bible says of them, they turned the world upside down. These 12 disciples, minus Judas, 11 of them did a job that nobody else in this world since then or ever will do. (laughs) Think of what he can do with one person sold out. Lord, just use me. I'm just one, but I will be all that you want me to be. Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, Isaiah said. Yeah, that's all of us. And Jesus wanted to cultivate this man's faith. Faith is a muscle. And if it atrophies, if it doesn't get used, uh, Hebrews talks about faith as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do you know you have faith? Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible unto him that believeth. Mark already told us of other two parents that Jesus had helped by healing their children in chapter number 5, verse 41, previously. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, uh, Talitha Cumai, 
which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. Straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of twelve, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Mark chapter 7, verse number 29, And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was coming to her house, she found the devil gone out, and her daughter laid upon the bed. Both those situations, Jesus helped them. He pushed their faith to the edge. See, sometimes it's a circumstance in our life that he pushes us to the edge of our faith. Nothing slips beyond his control. Nothing is out of his control. Let me put it that way. We think, God, I don't know where I'm going to do what I'm going to do. God, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. God, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, but he does. And if he's got you in the palm of his hand, he knows what's going to happen. He's trying to stretch your faith. He's trying to make you increase your faith. And if you don't, guess what? Your faith is in the wrong things. It's in the wrong person. If you can believe, he said, all things are possible to him that believes. The Father was called upon to believe Jesus. Isn't that what we're, that's the gospel in a nutshell. Just believe in Jesus. Just trust Jesus. Faith was a condition for his son to be healed. Now Jesus told the Father about what he was going to do. The question is not whether I am able to heal him, but whether you believe I can. Boy, that's powerful. I like this quote. Faith does not consist in believing that God will do something, but that God can do anything. I'd put it on the sign, but it's too long. I, I don't like people stopping in front of traffic to read the sign. God can do anything. There's a little song that says, God can do anything, anything, anything. God can do anything but fail. He can't fail. So there has to be uh, something in us that says, Lord, I need you. I need your help. I need your, your power in my life. I need your ability to witness to my lost friends and relatives. Because without Jesus, they're dying and going to hell. It's the bottom line. I don't care how religious they are. I work with a lot of religious people. Go to church almost every day of the week. The wrong purpose, but they're going to church. Very religious. But they don't know Jesus. You know what God does? He puts a little light bug right there. Me. Oh, a lightning bug. Very plump lightning bug. To be a witness. To show them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. To, to help them see there is a difference. But if I'm just going along to get along and not wanting to make waves and I, I'm going to participate in their evil deeds and I'm going to, wait a minute, I, I'm not letting my light shine the way it's supposed to. Oh yeah, there was a pastor's son in Woonsocket years ago. He was the best of the partiers. He was a wonderful partier. And they said, why don't you drink like him? Um, just can't. I just can't. He'd talk negative about the church members and talk bad about the pastor, his father. And he, I'm thinking, is this something not right here? Come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. In other words, when you talk to people, they need to know that there's something different about you as a Christian. It's not that you're perfect. I know you too well. You know me, I'm human. But I don't want to be confused with the unsaved. Well, what's wrong with a little pot? What's wrong with a little drinking? What's wrong with a little sin? Yeah, you know, again, the devil will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you thought it would. I know people that it's cost their families because of their testimony. You want to, you want to go down that path? This man didn't understand everything that encompasses when you get close to Jesus. When you get close to Jesus, something's going to change. Either you can't tolerate it like the rich young man who went away sorrowful, or 
you will be like this man who was broken because of the situation God allowed his son to be in so that he could speak to his heart. God knows what he's doing. Mark chapter 9, verse 24, Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I think this is one of the most honest and transparent verses in the Bible. Lord, help me. Help me. I believe. Help my unbelief. Fill in the cracks if I, don't have, unbe- if I have unbelief. Lord, I, I believe you can do anything. I want to see my son normal again. I want to see him normal for the first time. In his weakness, he's pleading for the Lord's help. What do we do in our weakness? We blame people. Those silly disciples. They couldn't do it. That's what the world was doing. The scribes and the the people came to see what was going on. The crowds gathering. There's a hubbub going. Hey, come and see what's going on. That guy with the funny son, he's... Uh, everybody likes a show. Jesus didn't even address the scribes after that. He addressed the man. And when he did, he healed his son. He saw the intensity of his, of his plea. Verse number 25, it's down in the valley that you discover it's only Jesus that can help a hurting world. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, they came, uh, people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He killed him. He's dead. What a show. Jesus didn't even acknowledge their unbelief. He didn't even acknowledge the fact that they said he's dead. All he said, but Jesus took him by the hand. When Jesus takes you by the hand, there's going to be life. He lifted him up and he arose. I'm going to give you a parenthetical. Satan doesn't give up without a fight. This man was wallowing. He was foaming. And at the end, when Jesus cast him out, he screamed. And the devil does not give up without a fight. When's the last time we fought for the Lord? You say, fought for the Lord? Yeah, on our knees. Praying for the lost. Praying for God to heal. Praying for God to restore We have people that are wayward, that are wandering aimlessly through life. And we know about it, yet we don't do anything. Oh, we'll pray about him. I prayed for you. And this man man was convinced that Jesus could help them. Jesus changed their perspective. Somewhere along the line, he heard that maybe Jesus could heal them. And I say them on purpose. Because this man was healed as well as his son. His heart was mended. His help came from Jesus Christ. That's the only place that you're going to get help. I get a lot of phone calls from people wanting help from the church. Just send me some help. Greenbacks are fine. I'm sorry, we're not a bank. I do know a banker's number. I'll give him your number. I said, well, what do you, do you have a church that you go to? I haven't been in years. I said, well, why don't you trace your steps back to that church and ask them for help? Jesus said this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Now you say, you're pretty mean. No, we've helped many people over the years. We help people, but when people make a habit of trying to get a handout from 15 different churches that they're telling me on the phone, we went to this church and that church and this church and that church, uh, no, you're looking for something for nothing. You're looking for the government. Stimulus money. I, I, I don't know. I feel a little guilty. This money's uh, kind of corrupt. Uh, that's another thing. That's, I'm not going to get into that. But uh, somebody has to pay it back. It's just it's ridiculous. They're stringing us along, but that's okay. 
Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems, including financial problems. The church isn't the answer, but Jesus is. But Satan won't give up without a fight. The demon attacks will come one more time, and he comes out. The boy becomes still, and onlookers assume that he is dead. Eh, that's over. You cured him, all right, he's dead. <laughs> but Jesus took the boy by the hand and lifted him up to his feet. Verse number 42. And as he was yet a-coming, the devil threw him down and tear him. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again unto his father. In chapter, uh, Luke chapter 9. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. But while they wandered, every one at, these, at all these things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, this was normal for Jesus. This was part of Jesus' ministry. The Lord did more than just depose a demon, if you will. He gave back the boy and his father their lives. Think of what he can do with you. I'm not demon-possessed. No, but sometimes we doubt. We go through life and saying, oh, I can't help anybody. I've tried, and nobody wants to hear what I have to say. They do. I think if you do it in the power of Jesus Christ. There have been days, I, I'll be honest with you, there will be days that, man, I just don't feel like being spiritual. I'm honest. And then all of a sudden, the Lord sends somebody to ask me a spiritual question. Lord, are you testing my faith? I know the answers. I honestly do. I know in the scripture where it can find the verses, and then all of a sudden I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, okay, I get it. I get it. And I begin to explain and show them Jesus Christ, and that makes all the difference in the world. And I always have to take a step back and say, Lord, help me to be on praying ground all the time. Help me to be close to you. It's not a matter of being like the scribes and who are very analytical and very methodical in what they do, but it's about showing people Jesus. In the midst of trouble and difficulty, flat tires and problems, Jesus is there. Finally, there's one more thing I see, and I will be done shortly. I know preachers say that, but... It's in the valley you discover it requires dependence on the Lord to help hurting people. Verse number 28, when he was come up into the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could not we help? Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind, this specific one, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Chapter 3, Mark told us that Jesus commissioned the disciples with power to cast out demons. Chapter 3, 15, and it says, uh, and to have power to heal sicknesses and Cast out devils. It's reasonable that they would expect that they could do this. Jesus gave them the power. Like most of us, the disciples did not want to share their embarrassment to the entire world. They waited until they got in private and talked to Jesus. Hey, why couldn't we cast this one out? I close with this. When things don't go as expected, pray. When things don't go as expected in your life, pray. It seemed like that's the last resort. Oh, yeah, I should have prayed. Oh, I forgot to pray. We sit down to eat a meal, we pray. And sometimes someone will, oh, that's not a blessed bite. That bite's not blessed, you're going to choke. Oh, we forgot to pray. If it becomes part of your nature, you're always in the state of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Always in a state of, Lord, whatever your will is. This one comes forth by prayer and fasting. You think about the one that you know in your family, your group of friends, your circle of people that you associate with, and you think of the worst one that they're so far removed from God, they would have nothing to do with God. Yeah, weren't you there at one point too? Honestly, except by God's grace, there go all of us. 
And we need to get as close as we can right now to the Lord. Because he's going to intersect your life with somebody that needs help. And you're going to, be, you're going to need to be on praying ground. People call up the pastor. Pastor, I need you to pray right now for this person. Did you pray? No, but I need you to. Uh, my prayers are just like your prayers. Yeah, but he answers you. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, you've got iniquity in your heart. Confess your sin. Get right with God. Get close to him. Pray and trust him with the results. Let's stand with our heads bowed. The problem was not the disciples didn't have faith. The problem wasn't the demon or the man's lack of faith that God could heal him. The problem was the devil wants to disrupt God's unity. The devil wants to discourage the positive things that's going on in the world. And you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You neglect to read the Bible, you neglect to pray, you neglect to witness and to worship, and you just do things without any thought of worshiping the Lord. Guess why things aren't going right in your life? You say, well, God doesn't do that. Yeah, he allows things to happen for a reason. For this man, it was years. I wonder how many times his life intersected with the disciples or intersected with Jesus. We don't really read between the lines. We don't know that the testimony of the disciples was there all this time. It was in the vicinity that they were ministering. How many times do people come across our path and we never help them? They could not. We could not. They leave, and we never see them again. On occasion, I've seen people in the news that have visited Blackstone Valley Baptist Church who were murderers, who were gang members, who were violent. And I wonder, couldn't we help them? Couldn't we help them?